90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science. Hey, Shannon, how are you? Uh, frantically getting ready for the Geological Society of America meeting. Oh, yeah, it's next week. Yeah, it is. It's in Indianapolis, so that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I say from a flyover state myself. <laughs> uh, Drove through Indianapolis a lot and never stopped. Exactly. Uh, you know what, though, John? The accommodations in Indianapolis are more expensive than Seattle. That's unbelievable. Yes. It's crazy. <laughs> um, so I wound up. Gosh, this makes me sound like such an old Luddite. Um, I, I'm using my first Airbnb. I've never done it before. So. I haven't either. Oh, well, that makes me feel a little better. <laughs> so is there, a, is there a sports ball game or <laughs> something like that that's making the accommodation tie? I mean, tie? you know, I mean, I'm sure there's a Pacers game. That's, that's the big sports ball, basketball, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think it's GSA. I think GSA is swamping him. I, obviously, I'll find out when I'm there what's going yeah. on. But I tried to get a hotel two months in advance, which is pretty good for me because I'm a procrastinator. <laughs> <laughs> As you laugh, see, exactly. And everything was sold out except for like one hotel. And it was ridiculously expensive. So I have an apartment all to myself. That's only a mile away from the convention center, and I'm really excited about it. Well, fun. Yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sit there when I'm not at the meeting, and I'm gonna try to pound out the rest of this paper I'm trying to make myself publish this year, and you know, update those fun papers on the website. I'm gonna do that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm real excited about my sort of week vacation in this stranger's apartment. <laughs> All right. Well, yep. cool. You'll have to let us know how it turns out. Uh, yeah, yeah, I sure will. Um, and uh, if anyone that goes to conferences can understand. So I have something scheduled the morning of the first day of the conference, which is Sunday. And then my student's poster is Wednesday from 4 to 6 p.m. Is that the last day? It's the last day. Oh, yeah. Those are the two worst time slots. <laughs> exactly. So I'm going to be there all week. But, um, yeah, hopefully it'll be real fun. I'm guessing we're probably going to record from there. So <laughs> you'll hear all about it next week. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. But you've been at a conference too, right? I have. In fact, I, I just got back. We're recording this uh, almost moments before release. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the procrastinator my, now? <laughs> yeah, because of my flight schedule. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, which I'd related to you earlier, you know, my travel luck as always. I got back uh, <laughs> later than expected. But uh, I was at the Seismic Instrumentation Technology Symposium. Okay. <laughs> also known as SITS. Oh, that's real bad. That's, that could be such a better acronym. <laughs> <laughs> um, so where were you at? So I was in Tucson, which I've never been to before. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Uh, Tucson's an awesome city. I was really pleasantly surprised. Mm -hmm. Was it at the university there? Uh, so it was, the conference was at a Marriott, which was right on the edge of the university. Oh, okay. All right. That so I actually sense. didn't spend any time in the university. Uh, 
but you know, it was in the Marriott and walked a little bit around town. It was a really nice town. Everybody was really friendly. The food was great. Uh, yeah, I imagine it's actually quite a lot like Boulder, so it probably didn't really feel that different, except for I'm sure it was warmer. Yeah, it was nice. It was, you know, 30s here and 70s there, so yeah, I'll take yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. You got to meet a lot of folks. Uh, this is put on by Iris, and the last one was five years ago. Oh my gosh, I, why the delay? Funding. Of course. <laughs> so this was one of the things that in that five-year award got cut. Uh, well, that's nice that it's back. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty excited about it. I don't know how often they're going to do it, uh-huh. whether it's going to be every year or every other year. Uh, it seemed like maybe every other year was kind of the proposed thing, uh, but of uh-huh. course nothing was finalized at this meeting. Right. But there were 123 of us there. Oh, that's a good size. Yeah, it was not too big. Right, yeah, where you could actually, like, talk to people. Yeah, and I got to meet some people that we've interviewed on the show for the very first time in person. Uh, <gasps> Did they remember So us? that was... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember accosting one of the people we interviewed at a GSA meeting once, and she was like, oh, yeah! <laughs> it was really <laughs> funny. I think it was actually one of our very first interviews, too, so it was real funny. I wanted to be like, we're better now. <laughs> <laughs> But she was really nice, so it was fine. Phoebe is who it was. Oh, Phoebe Cohen, yeah. Yeah, way back then. So, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. So, uh, this meeting was all about what is the future of instrumentation in seismology? And you know, normally we talk about the science at meetings a lot. Mm-hmm. This meeting was all about the tech. And it was, I would say, 50 50 manufacturers and vendors and then academics. Oh, really? Man, this is right up your alley, huh? So oh, yeah. You, you were like a vulture throwing those cards around, weren't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Th- those cards were they were flying through the air. I was glad they had rounded edges so they didn't injure anybody. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm going to need a minute with that visual. <laughs> uh, my, my hail rulers, uh, oh. there I handed somebody and they said, oh, a field scale. I was like, perfect. At this conference, they're field scales. <laughs> and right. at AMS, they're hail rulers. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Well, that's why you put both the colloquial version and the actual quantitative version on there. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. And uh, I snagged a deal on, and they arrived right before I left for the conference, some uh, some pins. So I now have <gasps> Lehman Geophysical pins. Ooh. <laughs> so got, got, we're stepping up our swag game a little. Oh, that's nice. I packed my Leo, Lehman Geophysical shirt for GSA just for you. So there you go. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's in a nice gray color, so, you know, it's understated, but yet I'm still still pimping for your services. <laughs> this, is, this is a Let's Get Geophysical t-shirt? Yes, yeah. Uh-huh. Awesome. <laughs> it's really soft. I like it a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> also available on our website. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying, to, just trying to get in the mood for, you know, next week. That's all. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, this was... It was really interesting to see what some of the innovations are. Of course, a lot of the manufacturers were very tight-lipped about what's going on. Uh, well, aren't they supposed to be there to talk about it? Uh, some of it, well, they talked about products that were for sale quite a bit. Okay, yeah. But in terms of what's happening in development or more specifics, not really. In fact, somebody even said, well, it'd be really nice if there was a 
good way for the scientists and the manufacturers to communicate for us to say, hey, this is what we really need. And them to say, well, this is what we're making. And us to say, well, that's great, but it needs to do this other thing too. Mm-hmm. Or to say, well, that's great, but this feature is absolutely useless in real life because we deploy things in dirt, not in a lab. Ha. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, and the reception to that was, was mixed. Some people were like, well, yeah, we could probably talk about that. And some manufacturers just flatly said, well, that will never happen. Wow, really? Yeah. Just because they're not going to listen to the customer or, uh, or they don't want to well, give one, it out? One, because academic seismologists are not their primary customer base for a lot of these manufacturers. Oh, yeah. I guess oil industry, huh? Right. And yeah. two, uh, because they don't want to let out any IP. Wow. I mean, I get it, I guess. But goes against, you know, what I would like to happen, I guess. I, I agree. And, you know, I was talking to somebody else that's there that is doing a lot of neat prototype sensors, some of which are in line with some of the prototypes I've been working on. Oh, really? And we were sharing ideas. And, you know, I said, well, I'm really glad that we can talk about this. And they said, well, yeah, nobody's going to get rich from making, you know, low quantity precision <laughs> tilt meters. <laughs> well, yeah, you're, you're right on that. <laughs> so true. So did you go to the meeting that was the last meeting five years ago? I did not. Okay. Is this, this the first is my time first you've... One. Okay. All right. And it was really interesting. So they had talks by scientists and some talks by a few people in the manufacturing side. Okay. And they were anywhere from 15 to 30 minute talks. Okay. And then they had a vendor's forum. Hmm. So they didn't have booths, but they did have... Uh, every vendor had the opportunity to give a five-minute pitch with slides. Oh, okay. And this was pretty interesting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, this sounds like a lightning talk. This sounds like something that should be right up your alley, right? Yeah, I had a blast with it. I got good reception to my pitch, but I was so nervous going up there. So there were two <laughs> sessions of this vendor forum. I was at the very end of the first session, right before a lunch buffet, which is terrible. Yep. Uh, <laughs> sure is. <laughs> so uh, I, I go up there, but at that time, every company that had gone was, you know, probably 100 plus employees. Okay. And in fact, one, one that went right before me was, you know, touting what their revenue was in the last year. And <laughs> they showed an animation of this awesome new uh, sort of a nodal seismometer that could be deployed by ROVs on the ocean floor, like around a drilling platform. Mm -hmm. And they had some that went up to 40 kilometers water depth. (gasps) Oh my God. Uh, I mean, awesome stuff. So that animation probably cost more than my business's entire revenue this year. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Tee And so I had to, you know, follow that. And so I was really nervous. <laughs> and I normally don't get nervous before talks. Exactly. Yeah. That's a it's a new thing for you. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> but it, it went really well. Excellent. Uh, and I think I've got some some good ideas on things that I should be working on. Uh, some great projects that might be coming up now because of this. So overall, it went well. And uh, I met a lot of just really cool engineers and scientists that i hadn't had the chance to meet before 
So one of the things we talk about when we talk about going to conferences and everything is that connection that you can make with other scientists to learn stuff. So, I mean, did you come out of there with a feeling for what academics would want to be buying in the future for like what's the new next thing? Uh, somewhat, yes. A lot of it was centered around uh, broadband seismometers or seismometers that are sort of mid-band. Okay. That is probably not something that I can address. Uh, is that because you have an R&D department of N equals one? <laughs> uh, well, part of it's R&D department size. Part of it is just I can't compete with the institutional knowledge of somebody like Garalp that's built seismometers for 30 years. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have to learn all the lessons they learned, again, myself, the right. hard way. Right. Okay, that makes sense. And building seismometers has thus far not really been the business I've been in. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, but so I got some feelings for what might be wanted there. There was some interesting prototype tilt meters that were shown uh, that are down to like nanoradian scale. What? Yeah. <gasps> I don't even, I mean, I'm having trouble calibrating 10th of a microradian kind of levels. Uh-huh. I'm not even sure how you calibrate nanoradian tiltmeters. Oh my gosh, that's unbelievable! <laughs> I have to have to think on that one for a while. So yeah, that was that was really neat. Um, and then there were some optical tiltmeters that are being used at LIGO. Oh, and actually, there, there's a whole talk on how the seismo, uh, the the seismic damping system, which is an active system at LIGO, works, which was really fascinating. Oh, that's cool. Uh, the other thing that is getting a lot of traction in every instrument field, and this is something that I need to start becoming more proficient in, uh, is fiber optic technology. Okay. To do what? To transfer uh, data? Strain sensing. Oh. So I've used, uh, I've used fiber optic to transfer data on things before. That's no problem. Uh, I've used a very early fiber optic strain sensing system when I worked at Oak Ridge. Mm -hmm. But now the fiber optic systems are good enough. They were actually able to show one manufacturer, their interrogation system was able to use old fiber that was just laying in a conduit on a university campus unused. (laughs) They hooked the system up to it and were able to get teleseismic PNS arrivals. Oh my gosh. That's real funny. It's incredible stuff. Um, I love it. Look, let's just plug this thing in over here. Yeah. <laughs> Science. And some of the new uh, borehole strain sensing systems are using fiber. So it's it's something that's going to be more and more important in the future. Uh-huh. It's still somewhat cost prohibitive to get into. You know, the tools are thousands of dollars to get started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... That's a direction of something that I need to investigate more. Gotcha. Is more the, the optical instrumentation side. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really interesting. So you said that there weren't booths, though, huh? No booths. Did you just see all this stuff in people's talks? Yeah, so there was, all, there was a poster session. Uh, people brought hardware to their talk, to their poster session. One person drug a bunch of seismometers up to the 
uh, the podium for their five minute talk and set them all on the front edge of the podium and we were placing <laughs> bets on if they're going to fall off because <laughs> it's a pretty flimsy podium <laughs> awesome uh yeah no it was and well in fact i uh, had a meeting where we were taking you know an instrument out of its case and putting things together in the hotel restaurant one morning <laughs> <laughs> nice uh, and I also really enjoyed, you know, I got to, there are some vendors that I had seen their products on their website, but it was one of those, well, click and fill out this form and tell us about yourself. And then eventually you'll get a number uh-huh. uh, kind of things. And, you know, I happened to be able to meet some of their engineers there and say, hey, tell me about this. Like, let's, let's look at some data. Let's talk about this in a non-email way. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, were most of the... I mean, what was the size of the companies represented there? Um, so I was definitely the smallest. <laughs> okay. Uh, the biggest was probably one to 2,000 employees. Oh, okay. There were some pretty big ones there. Uh, maybe even more than that. Like uh, Fairfield Systems, which makes the nodal instruments, mm-hmm. was there. Okay. Several people were there. Um, yeah, so there was uh, all the major. I didn't see Trimble there. But there were several GPS setups, several seismometers. Um, I didn't see Applied Geomechanics, now called Jewel. I didn't see them there. But yeah, there were quite a few. Uh, there was also, I was really excited. There was one person that, there's one other company that was named after the person. And I thought, oh, good, another small business. No. Oh. It's a small <laughs> business with a fleet of drilling trucks. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that could be in your future. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Yeah, but it was really great. Um, I learned a lot. The, another fiber optic technology that I didn't realize was quite as good as it is now Mm -hmm. is, uh, so you have two fiber cables wound around a ring in opposite directions. Okay. And you shoot light through them. And because of rotation, you can get an interfere, an interferometric signal from the light going around the fiber in one way versus the, around the fiber in the other way. Okay. So, like, you can measure Earth's rotation with this. It's incredibly precise. Nice. So they were working on developing six-axis seismometers. So seismometers that give you acceleration in X, Y, and Z and rotation about x y and z oh my goodness (laughs) because if you look at the wave equation you get i mean there there are six components there are there just doesn't move up and down left and right it also twists about all three of those axes Mm -hmm. and if you have so uh, chuck langston gave a talk on there are some things right now that you can only do with arrays because we're trying to drive all components of this tensor using the array but if you have a six axis seismometer it's an array of one like you can get that whole tensor Uh, out of that single instrument so mm -hmm. what would take you an array before now you can do it a point Mm, nice uh the catch there is the ring that the fibers wound around is about two and a half feet in diameter right now (laughs) for each axis (laughs) that's Uh, a big hole (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man okay 
Um, yeah, so that needs to be, you know, improved some. Uh, it's unbelievable because, I mean, didn't we used to be limited by, you know, how we could get this data stored and all that stuff, and now you can do that. That's pretty impressive. Well, I, it still just blows my mind that you can measure, like, differences in light travel time, yeah. basically, and get Earth's rotation from pieces of glass. <laughs> that sounds like a couple shows right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But then again, I mean, an iPhone is a bunch of silicon and gold and copper. and Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I still don't understand how quartz tells time, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a good show topic right oh, there. We can yeah. talk about oscillators for a long time. <laughs> that's all you. I'm just going to sit here and ask the questions <laughs> on that one. Um, um, so, I mean, the, the, that was really cool. Um, yeah, those are some of the main things that stand out to me, really. It just seeing what some of the scientists would do if they had this kind of data. Okay. Was mm-hmm. was pretty inspiring, and then seeing the things that the manufacturers are trying oh, okay. is also pretty interesting. So, did they? Did the scientists that were there, were they mostly academics, or was there any industry representatives there? Uh, I believe all the scientists that were there were academics. Okay, and so did they give posters and stuff too? They did. Okay. All right. And some of it was on equipment that they've developed, you know, like, well, this thing was terrible, so we changed it. And right. Mm-hmm. If you own this instrument, you should do this, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Always taken well, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so that was interesting. Uh, some of it was on, like, well, what's the science of the transportable array in Alaska? Oh, okay. Uh, and I, interesting fact about that. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. I knew that they would have to have a lot of batteries to run these stations. Mm-hmm. And one thing that came up all the time was we want to reduce swap, which is size, weight, and power. Uh-huh. And I normally think of, well, the instrument needs a car battery to run, so that's not great, but okay. So in Alaska, where you don't have a lot of good incoming solar radiation a lot of the year, right? Uh, and you have temperature extremes to deal with and everything else depending on what sensors are installed on a ta station they each each have 18 to 30 car batteries (gasps) each each station and there are hundreds of stations you are kidding me (laughs) so if it's just a seismometer and basic telemetry it's 18 car batteries if it's got a full met pack infrasound a couple sensors 30 car batteries I can't even. What? Yeah. Oh my gosh. How are they even doing that? How do you do Helicopters. Yeah. (laughs) My God. But even then, how many car batteries can a helicopter bring in? Yeah. And then then... you've got to move them from the helicopter drop point. Oh. It, it looked like absolutely backbreaking work. Yes, this is why when I say this instrument requires a watt of power, it doesn't sound like much, but a watt turns into a lot when you're doing polar geoscience. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's why I said geophysics is just batteries. It's batteries everywhere. That's all it is. <laughs> so uh, they gave the number. I think their rough estimate was if if you're in a polar environment, you should figure on four to five batteries per watt for a continuous year of operation my gosh 
so how much time are they getting out of there? How long does the transportable array stay in place? I believe it's going to be for about two years here. Okay. And okay. then some of the stations are getting adopted and will be become permanent stations. Some okay. of them will be pulled up. 80 car batteries. Do you know all we're doing is fueling evolution of grizzly bears? They're like, hmm, what's this? And the next thing we know, some grizzly bear is going to walk out with all this technology it's developed because it's got all these car batteries. <laughs> there were some pictures of bears at stations. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Trying to figure out how to run car batteries. <laughs> well, they're talking about adding cameras to a lot of the stations, too. So you can get like Just size cam views from. <laughs> well, I mean, it would be nice for. You've got meteorological observations, you've got infrasound observations, you've got seismic observations. Why not couple sky cams to it as well? Like, yeah. Make this as you already have all the infrastructure in place for power yeah, no and for data transmission. Like, get as many fields to pour money into this as you can. No kidding, man. Just charge for like, here, pay 99 cents a year and watch all these bears. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, well. I don't really want to admit how much time I've spent watching animal cameras. <laughs> well, and th- the really crazy thing was, so Mike Lundgren gave a talk about developing, so he made the drills that they used to emplace these sensors. Okay. Across much of the U.S., you could dig it with a backhoe. Right. Or you could pull in, you know, an auger rig. Mm-hmm. No worries. Not so in Alaska. <laughs> so he designed drill systems, I think they went through three or four generations, that could be carried by helicopter, so they had to be under 1,200 pounds and drill through anything that they encountered to get several meter deep, like up to 10 meter deep, six to eight inch holes. Oh my gosh. And one of his drill systems, you could take it apart and it could be packed in by a large group of people. Like, you know, two people have to carry the engine, two people have to carry the generator, all this. But you could take the entire drill apart and pack it in if you had to. That's pretty impressive. It was very impressive. Mm-hmm. And they designed his own uh, tool head on the end. It, it was a really impressive thing. That's awesome. I do appreciate a good drill because I've had to carry drills quite a few, quite a few miles before. So uh, <laughs> that's amazing i would love to see that in action yeah and i believe all of the talks from this are going to be posted uh okay well that was my next follow-up question yeah (laughs) uh that's super cool wow um so how many days was the conference then three day and a half okay which that's one thing i would definitely change longer yes okay and not more talks just longer time to interact with people more breaks <laughs> <laughs> there was lunch which was at the hotel like buffet everybody ate together mm-hmm. and two 30 minute breaks but they always ran over so it was like two 20 minute breaks from nine like to two, five eight to yeah, five from eight to five or eight to six depending on oh my goodness it too much yeah Um, that's impressive and there were so many times where you would see somebody and say oh we need to have a conversation about that and then everybody's flying out yeah wow so it would be nice i got there really early monday morning so i actually spent some time monday afternoon just working uh because the conference was tuesday and then wednesday the first half day okay gotcha 
Uh, but flight schedules direct from Denver to Tucson, I, I couldn't be picky. <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> I am I am too picky because I am driving to Indianapolis on Saturday, so that will be fun. Ah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and I also had the opportunity, uh, this was really cool, uh, Listener Wayne. Just walked up to my poster and said hello. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I was unfortunately going to try to find him later and uh, chat a little bit more because I was kind of swamped at the poster and didn't get a chance. So, Wayne, it was uh, great to meet you. Sorry we didn't get a chance to talk <laughs> Yeah, <more>. no kidding. <laughs> well, maybe at the one in uh, a year and a half, right? Or next year. The year after next. That's what I meant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's super awesome. Yeah, man, you never know who you're going to see. I love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and well, so, you know, I ran into the person that uh, uh, former guest of the show, Chuck Amon. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. The person that had his office before he had it. Oh. Ha. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, and you had the office next door, right? Or two doors. And now? I had the office next door. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> and so people are like, oh, you know, I know, I know so and so. And found lots of fun connections. This is a small world, man. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a really small world. I try to impress upon students, you know, don't be an idiot because everybody knows everyone else. And, you know, I think there is a real space for, after talking to several people that have ideas or need things for their field work. Mm-hmm. You know, they were like, well, I need two dozen of thing X. Mm-hmm. And nobody will make two dozen of Thing X. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Like my college machine shop says they'll only make five. Right. And then they're done. And I go to a commercial place and they just laugh. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that's exactly the scale that I work at. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so that was really nice to hear. I was also surprised at how many people have machining at their college machine shops covered in their overhead. Oh, well, you know, we've got this whole innovation hub at OU if um, our new president keeps it open, and that's free for everybody. Obviously, it's paid for by somebody's overhead, but... Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so... But, I mean, the limitation to that is you then get the machine shop that says, well, we're not a production shop. We'll make a few of these, and then you're on your own. Well, yeah, and you actually have to use... You have to go in and learn how to do stuff yourself here. They don't run it for you, so there is that. Right. But still, you know, that's that's really cool. I mean, that's nice. It's nice to encourage innovation at a university. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I ran into a couple of uh, probably the the next smallest business that was there was uh, about four people. Okay. And got to learn a lot by talking to them about how they got started and how they grew and how they got to where they are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Learned a lot business-wise as well. Gotcha. That's really cool. Um, that's, it sounds like, um, yeah, it sounds like you're going to be busy now, <laughs> was my point there. <laughs> Very busy, but never too busy to talk about new things. Uh, <laughs> in fact, we were talking about, so, you know, today I had, somebody came in to ask me about a product that I've got, and I was going to ship them my prototype. And today, while I was calibrating the prototype, I realized that I could make it about half as big and cost about half as much and weigh a lot less. 
<laughs> and so I just sent him an email and said, hey, would you mind waiting for a week? <laughs> because I can ship you something way better next week. And that that's really a testament to how far, you know, Cat and Cam have come that I can stand outside in my backyard, have an idea. Three hours later, the CAD's done. I order material from McMaster Car that's going to get here on Monday, and then I can machine it and ship something in less than a week from when I had the idea. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. That's really awesome. It's also a testament to the amount of money you've spent on your basement, but that's <laughs> also true. <laughs> but at least you're giving all the machines a workout. That's what they're there for. <laughs> it's it's true. I definitely have my eye on some some larger machining centers that oh my goodness <laughs> would not uh, fit anywhere in this house. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be interesting. Yep, <laughs> moving on down the road. <laughs> you know, three phase power doesn't really exist in our neighborhood. So, <laughs> <laughs> what are you installing down here in SEM? Yep. <laughs> well, I also only have, uh, I think, one breaker spot open in my box now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, this is why uh, you and my husband get along. <laughs> it, it's true. Yep. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to This gave me some encouragement, even though I was uh, scared and doubtful at first. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really awesome. I, um, I never... Not that I'm relishing in you being nervous, but I'm saying like, you know, all these people that you see is super successful and man, they just get out there and do it. It's nice to hear that even those people get nervous. So thanks for sharing that. <laughs> I absolutely. Yes, I was terrified. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Have you already gone home and like indexed all the cards you got from this thing? Uh, yep. So, you know, I've emailed people that <laughs> I talked to, uh, I'm starting to figure out some way to sort of file away this kind of information, not with everybody in my iPhone contacts list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's becoming a real business. That's scary and awesome. It, it Yes, it is both. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I considered you a real business as soon as you got T-shirts, John. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what it's all about. Exactly. I'm like, ooh, this is real nice. <laughs> yeah, and shipping. I've got my first customer that's coming here for training on a bunch of instruments they bought. Ooh, that's exciting too. Uh, bought a bunch of my tilt meters and the loggers that go with them. Mm, uh, because okay. there's currently no manufacturer that you can buy a tilt meter and a matched logger from. That seems like a uh, niche that needs to be filled. Yep, so mm -hmm. I'm... I am doing that, and then these are going to ship off to Antarctica, and we'll be there from mid-December until February. Man, you're going to ask for a whole bunch of shameless marketing pictures from them too, right? Oh, you know it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so even the people that, uh, so I construct, you know, the circuit boards, the enclosures, and all that. The electrolytic sense elements I buy from another manufacturer that does a lot of aerospace sensors, mm -hmm. and they custom make them, you know, by hand, artisanal. <laughs> whatever um and they've asked me for shots oh, <laughs> of this in the field that's awesome <laughs> oh that's great i can see these people from antarctica calling you about something and you being like okay so i need you to take a picture at this 90 degree angle <laughs> make sure there's nobody in it and no shadows only penguins <laughs> yep <laughs> 
Oh, that's awesome. That's super Yeah, so awesome. I, I'm excited to see how they perform. I mean, I've tested them at low temperatures here, but testing them at low it's, temperatures yeah. in a the thermal chamber versus actually <laughs> out in Antarctica, there's a difference. Uh, yeah, exactly. It doesn't get that cold in Denver. <laughs> oh, I have a thermal chamber, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's... Yeah, I, I don't simulate blowing snow. I don't simulate solar radiation. Yeah, which is I out of control I, down there. <laughs> don't simulate people with field brains setting it up. <laughs> there was just something on the news the other night about some researcher stabbed another guy in Antarctica because he kept telling him the end of books. And I thought that was the funniest <laughs> I thing. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone who I've ever talked to about it said, yeah, I would have stabbed him too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So hopefully your instruments don't get caught up in this kind of drama is all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, hopefully not, though, you know, I've warned them that that this is for this particular uh, customer. This is the third season that they've taken equipment that I've built for them to Antarctica. And I said, I'm going to stop writing manuals until you take me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I'll come on and um, be your hired R&D gun if you want to. I would love yeah. to go. <laughs> awesome. Well, that I would love to go, but it's also nice to you know sit here in the relative <laughs> warmness of uh, of Denver and say, oh, well, here's a code patch for that. And yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely true. I we had um, several researchers from OU go. I know this is no big deal for you in Penn State, but we don't have glaciologists, so <laughs> we had a couple of professors go down one year. And I remember it was colder in Norman than it was where they were in Antarctica for like three days. And it was really funny. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we still talk about it. And we're like, remember that day it was colder than Antarctica here? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was pretty good. Well, we've already been down pretty cold here, actually, but we're, we're back up. We've been down to uh, uh, seven Fahrenheit. Already. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, you have gotten cold. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it hasn't been that it hasn't been too bad here we had a pretty rainy halloween but um we've gotten a lot of rain which is welcome so i'm not complaining about it for sure i'm definitely gonna have to bring a jacket to indianapolis and i'm not excited about that <laughs> yeah well I, i'm expecting you know when these instruments are in Antarctica, i'm expecting probably 15 to 20 degrees fahrenheit most yeah. of the time for them yeah not not too blisteringly cold no, and I'm actually curious to see how the balance shakes out of solar radiation hitting the case and heating the air inside. Right. Yeah. That's not uh, something, well, I'm sure researchers think about it, but it's probably not something you usually think about when you're talking about the Arctic or the Antarctic, you know. Well, and as an instrument designer, like solar radiation heating your instrument is your worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. So it's something we think about a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have to vent the case because... It has to be waterproof, but it has to be vented because if you take it up in an airplane, you don't want your O-ring seal to get extruded, or if it heats up in the sun, you don't want your O-ring, O-ring seal to get extruded, mm-hmm. or if it gets cold, you don't want it to suck moisture in. <laughs> oh. So th- th- there's lots of fun considerations there, and what's the thermal mass of your instrument? What's the output, or the heat output of the electronics in it? How much does it self-heat? It's a wonderful ball game. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> but thus far it all appears to be just great that's awesome that is awesome well we shall uh probably follow up with that in the spring when they get back right or not in the spring no that'll be 
a while from now, I guess. I mean, yeah, the instruments will probably be back in February. Uh, okay. So it'll be still winter, but we'll know what the data look like and get some good engineering data off them, probably get some good science data out of them, and, and see what improvements we need to make before they try sending them out for a winter over expedition. Yeah. Yeah, most In which case, they will get very cold. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. And most importantly, good marketing pictures, because that's what this is all about. Yes. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, I'm glad that that was a successful trip uh, for your company there. Yeah. So I, I will, you know, occasionally keep people updated on here. I don't obviously try to, to pedal what I do too often <laughs> on the show. <laughs> But true. if you need if you need any integration, I've been doing a lot of instrument integrations or some custom instrumentation or custom data processing. We've done some moving data processing to Amazon Web Services for folks. Uh, you can always drop an email uh, either to the show or it's easy enough to find uh, the contact form on my company's website and I'll get back to you. Yeah, and I'll be wearing the T-shirt so you can find it through there as well. And um, yeah. And I'll tell you jokes. That's what I sell. So, <laughs> yeah. And that's you know our, our new paleomagnetic line of equipment, which is actually becoming surprisingly popular. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll drag you to AGU, and you will be the bell of the ball there. That's for sure. <laughs> well, you know, I I really do want to have a booth at AGU sometime yeah. uh, in the near mm -hmm. future. Yeah. It's not going to happen this year. Well, I, yeah, it's in DC this year. You don't want to go there anyway, right? <laughs> It's in D.C., me getting everything set up, dragging it out there with some equipment delivery deadlines that are also coming up about that time. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, but maybe well, next year when it's in San Francisco. I was going to say, everybody's going to want to be there for the reopening of the Moscone Center, right? So. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited, and that's a much easier flight for me to make. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. So. And it's much less for me to ship the, you know, probably half to three quarter ton of stuff that would need to go. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, awesome. Um, that was a, I bet that was an interesting conference. So, um, hopefully people aren't going to get too sick of it, but sorry, it's conference season. So <laughs> it's true. We do have some, uh, some more hard rock shows, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> not, not musically themed like last week's, but unfortunately, Yes, uh, but we do have some some interesting shows in the queue now mm -hmm. yep. Yep. Uh, that are coming up. But I imagine next week you'll be hearing mostly about GSA. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully, I will have lots of inspiration to talk about next week. So uh, we shall see. I'll try to get rid of uh, my pack of stickers so we can, you know, get some more listeners. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, I think it's time to move on to everybody's favorite segment of the show. Fun Paper Friday! Yay! That was kind of an anemic cowbell. Yeah, I know. I don't know. The 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 clapper seems to have kind of stuck on me or something there. <laughs> Overuse, obviously. Right. <laughs> They're um, like, well, that was really a decorative. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I don't really appreciate this paper very much. It's real weird. <laughs> <laughs> so this paper uh, is on the list of Ig Nobels that listener Daryl sent us. Ah, it's gross. <laughs> I, I don't know if I go that far. Uh, so it's called The Scent of the Fly by Betcher et al. 
What's not gross about sniffing female Drosophila stuff? <laughs> it's a biology paper. It could have been a lot more gross. No, that is okay. That's absolutely true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Drosophila. Uh, I did a lot of biology stuff in high school. I thought I was going to be a biologist. And so this was really interesting, actually. Yes. So Drosophila uh, melanogaster is, you know, we all uh, in high school sort them under microscopes and mm-hmm. do things in, in bio class with them. But have you ever thought of smelling them? No, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I can only like think about like the little auger that they, so these are fruit flies, if you don't know. Um, I only think about the smell of the little auger stuff that they lived in. So this is really interesting to me that I don't know how you have to keep them away from that auger stuff and how how stinky they really are. But it seems like the ladies are pretty stinky. <laughs> yeah. So the females, uh, to attract mates, secrete this uh, Z411A1 one. pheromone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, typography is hard, and this journal did not choose the best one. It's hard to yes. tell L's and 1's apart. <laughs> yes, it really is. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but no, Z411A1, and it's a volatile, so it outgasses. You can smell it. And apparently, it's something that we as humans are very sensitive to. So I didn't know where they were going with this until, you know, almost the, well, is this the second to last sentence of the abstract <laughs> where, <laughs> where they talk about why we're sensitive to it, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's also at the, the end of the paper. Yes. <laughs> so this is because, and I'm sure this happened to one of the authors and that's what inspired this whole thing. Exactly. <laughs> a single fly can ruin a glass of wine. Uh, this is great. And so to prove this, this is the best method section that I've read. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is super awesome. Um, so they got eight members of this sensory panel for organoleptic tests for this wine growing region to see if they could tell the difference between male and female Drosophila. And so they took some of this pheromone, put a very tiny amount in a, a little, like a snifter glass, mm-hmm. and then put male scent, and then I believe they had a distractor scent as well. As well, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, you could clearly identify this particular pheromone. And really strong odor. <laughs> yeah, and so they would keep the flies in wine glasses and then have them sniff it. <laughs> they yep. were kept for five minutes in an empty wine tasting glass and released shortly before the test. Like, that's crazy. And then they, you know, also put in this, um, this manufactured Z411A1 as well. Um, and then they mixed that with water and wine, right? For tasting purposes. They did. So that's And it ruined the wine. Yeah. That's (laughs) an unpleasant oft flavor. Spelled with a U, of course. Right. So. <laughs> well, it is wine. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and I wonder, crazy. this has to apply to beer as well, right? I I don't know. I think, I 
feel like beer is a strong enough flavor that it would just overpower it. Or maybe hmm. I don't care after I'm halfway through a glass of beer what flies in it. <laughs> I don't know. So, I mean, I guess if you're drinking a glass of wine and a fly falls in it and you take the fly out and it tastes terrible, you can say that was a female. And if it doesn't, it was probably a male fly. This sounds like a conversation that would happen when people are sitting around drinking wine. <laughs> yes, which clearly uh, indicates that they're probably not geologists. Uh, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Fly my beer. <laughs> whatever. I drink IPAs, so nothing can make them taste any worse, right? Yeah, so they dissolve the fly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was real weird and very interesting, though. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something I certainly never would have thought of studying it's a nice short paper it is open access mm-hmm. um uh, just real as is usual this paper is actually summed up really nicely um because they talk about that this research goes toward an understanding of the chemical vocabulary that interconnects us with other living things and i thought that was a very awesome statement <laughs> it's true uh, <laughs> I feel like we as geologists maybe don't always sum up the the importance or the beauty of what we do in papers very well. Oh, right, exactly. And this one is kind of weird, and I thought that was a really nice, um, yeah, a very a nod towards the synergy that is going through all of this science that doesn't get talked about. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that was great. So there you go. If you have a suggestion for a fun paper. We would love to hear it. You can get a hold of us through several channels. Shannon, what are they? Uh, you can email us, show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. We're on Twitter at don'tpanicgeo. John is at geo underscore Lehman. I'm at Shannon Doolin. Uh, you can hang out in the Swung um, Software Underground channel, the Don't Panic channel, and find us there talking science with a lot of other cool people. And also, as always, thank you very much to our Patreon supporters. Um, That's what's keeping us going. And if you had said something to us on Twitter and never heard a reply, I'm very sorry. I stopped using TweetBot because it apparently (laughs) has just been swallowing all the notifications. Uh, So I switched back to the official Twitter app. But I am starting to go through our backlog and reply to folks. But terribly sorry. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And until next week, remember, don't panic. It's not an exact science. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding agencies.